New York is the most populous city in the United States. No doubt space is at a premium. And for a lot of people, that means no room for a washer-dryer in their apartment. Enter the laundromat. I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. Doing laundry is a necessary evil. I mean, have you ever heard anyone say they were looking forward to doing their laundry on the weekend? Cityscape producer Claire Drake hit up a laundromat in the Bronx to get the dirt on the laundry scene. Can you just state your first and last name? I'm a Negro. What would you be doing if you weren't doing laundry right now? Sleep. Do you usually talk to people in the laundromat? Sometimes. Well, I bring a book and read. Romance, thriller, all kind. Okay, just state your first and last name. I'm the manager here. And how is the environment here? Do people usually interact in the laundromat? You'd be surprised how many family and friends and neighbors run into each other here, and they're catching up on all whatever the latest gossip happens to be while they're doing their washes. And some of the interesting stories that you can hear them talking about is quite hilarious. So just state your first and last name. Marlene Cartagena. What would you be doing right now if you weren't doing laundry? Um, I'm supposed to working. I work in seven days a week. I had to dab. Do you usually talk to people in the laundromat? Uh, sometimes, yes, with the lady working here. Talking about work, how I doing, how I doing the weekend, things like that, you know, how the family. Washing and folding aren't the only activities taking place in laundromats in New York City. That's due in part to the Laundromat Project, an organization that works to bring art into lower-income neighborhoods of the city. Kemi Alesami is the executive director. She's on the phone with me now. Kemi, thanks for taking the time to talk with me. I'm happy to be asked. Thank you. So what exactly is the Laundromat Project? Well, the Laundromat Project is a nonprofit uh, arts organization here in New York City, and we bring art, artists, and arts programming into laundromats, as well as other kinds of public and community spaces. We're really interested in the power of arts and creativity and culture as means for people, particularly everyday people and neighbors, to really um, envision their communities, solve problems within their communities, and really gain a sense of ownership in the communities where they live, work, and grow. So what is it about laundromats that make them such good spaces for engaging with the public? They, in a city like New York, where there are 2,500 or more laundromats, Laundromats are really community gathering spaces, de facto community gathering spaces uh, and social spaces where all kinds of different people cross through. So you have a real mix of across race, across gender, ethnicity, age. Um, so it's a very multi-generational space, multiracial space. There's even some cutting across class. Because for many people, whether you're low income or modest income or um, even moving into the middle and upper middle, in New York City, you still might engage with and spend time at a laundromat. Also, laundromats are a place where um, you have to stay there if you're using You know, some people drop off, of course, so that is an option. But if you're actually just planning to use the laundromat and be there, it's untapped time, Um, you know, between the wash cycle and the uh, dry cycle. What do you do? You kind of hang out on your iPhone or something of that nature, but it becomes a space where people are actually open to being engaged in a more interesting way. What are a couple of examples of projects that you brought into laundromats? So... 
one project that we did in Harlem with the artist Shawnee Peters, because we actually commission artists to create projects in laundromats. Um, she actually took, you know, a couple of the screens, so every laundromat has TV screens, and put on a film festival. She had about 30 artists, amazing artists, many of whom were showing at Chelsea Galleries and other kind of known spaces, and invited them to show their films, short films. And then she invited her neighbors to rate those films and choose which ones were their favorites. There were animated shorts, there were longer documentaries, there were serious issues, as well as much lighter fare. So there's a real mix. And at the end of that, she took the top 10 films and showed them at the Schomburg New York Public Library, which is a really important institution up here in Harlem. That's great. What's another example? So another one that uh, we love and that is one of our all-time favorites is an artist named Suran Song, who lives in Jackson Heights, Queens. And she is an amazing artist, um, but she's also a yoga instructor, which is um, not an unusual combo necessarily. And she offered free yoga classes at her local laundromat right around the corner from her home over the summer in um, 2012 when she was one of our artists in residence. And she was really interested in wellness issues uh, within the context of uh, Jackson Heights. How do people um, have access to things like yoga classes? Yoga classes are actually expensive for some people's budget. So she wanted to have an opportunity to provide, make yoga something that was accessible to everyone. And so they were completely free. They happened once a week. And, you know, you would, people, neighbors could just schedule their laundromat visit to when this um, class would take place and got to be introduced to something in some cases that they didn't otherwise have access to and were able to do it with neighbors and learn together. Now, I would imagine that you just can't go into a laundromat and start doing this. You have to talk with the owner and get their buy-in. Is that an easy thing? So for the laundromat project, oftentimes we're working essentially with small business owners. The laundromat owners hail from all over the world. Many of them are immigrant business owners owners, and are interested in how to be part of a neighborhood. And one of the things that we are able to offer is that they get to provide an opportunity for an artist, usually someone who lives in their own neighborhood, to do something that is a gift to the rest of, of the community and a way of engaging with the rest of the community who are their customers as uh, laundromat small business owners. So that's what we try to emphasize in our most successful partnerships are owners who really were interested and invested in the neighborhood and in the people that live there who were their customers. So not everyone is open to this right away or at all, in fact. But when we are able to, you know, reach the owner, which sometimes takes a while to actually get to the decision maker, we really do emphasize that it's something where you're working with an artist who lives in this very neighborhood, sometimes, oftentimes, actually is a customer of the, of the laundromat, and they're trying to do something that will engage with the customers, whether it's yoga or a film festival or a photo booth or an oral history project, all examples of other kinds of projects that we've done over the years. How do you go about choosing the neighborhoods in which you operate? So we 
work citywide and with artists that come from all over the city and actually beyond, Philadelphia, Connecticut, New Jersey. However, as an organization, three years ago, we chose to anchor ourselves, and that's the language we use, in three neighborhoods. And this is where we dig deeper um, and really try to provide as, as many different kinds of uh, programs as we can, um, all related to arts and community. So those three neighborhoods are Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn, Harlem, which of course is in Upper Manhattan, and Longwood Hunts Point, which is in the South Bronx. And for two of the, we're about 10 years old, and our founder, a woman named Risa Wilson, lived in Bed-Stuy, so the dream of this organization in its New York manifestation was always based in Bed-Stuy. And Harlem, and we've always had projects there all 10 years, every year we've had a project there, same thing with Harlem. From the very beginning, we've always had a project in Upper Manhattan, uh, usually Harlem, sometimes Washington Heights. And in the case of Hunts Point, uh, it was a neighborhood in which we were invited um, by some local residents to check out the neighborhood and engage, and we did and really kind of fell in love. So we've been there for about three years. Um, so we have a shorter history there, but um, a very rich history of the work we've done to do that. Kemi, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Have a great day. That was Kemi Alesami. She's the executive director of the Laundromat Project. They're online at laundromatproject.org. I'm George Borarki, and this is Cityscape. The Laundromat Project isn't the only group in town that's putting a new spin on how laundromats are utilized. Emily Rubin is behind Dirty Laundry, Loads of Prose. In case you didn't get it from the title, the project essentially involves poetry readings in laundromats. Emily, thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you, George. Good to be here. So what's the story behind Dirty Laundry, Loads of Prose? Well, the story behind Dirty Laundry, Loads of Prose, which is a reading and performance series that takes place in laundromats all over New York City, and actually now outside of New York City as well, is that back in 2005, I was having a beer with a good friend, another writing friend, um, Gregory Rossi, and we had an idea that we wanted to do a reading series that was in a more unusual place, in the standard venue for readings for authors. And we were sitting on Avenue C and looking down the block, and two blocks away on Fifth Street and Avenue C is a laundromat. And we both just said, what about the laundromat? And I thought, you know, that's a, what a great idea. And I know what I want to call it, dirty laundry, loads of pros. So we just had this idea that, the laundromat would be an interesting place to bring local writers within the community to a place in their community where maybe people didn't necessarily think that a writer would be, but would be introduced to a writer from their neighborhood. And also the idea that the laundromat is a place that's sort of this great equalizer of everyone across all uh, cultural and economic um, divides that to bring writers there was seemed like a not just a a good idea but an ex, a social experiment. So that we were up for the challenge. Yeah. So was that very first reading you did then at that laundromat in your neighborhood on the Lower East Side? Yes, exactly. So 
the laundromat, the first laundromat was that we was actually the laundromat that I was using for my laundromat. So I had a relationship with the owner because in that I would stop by every couple a couple times a week or once a week and be there with either dropping my laundry off or doing my laundry. So it was, uh, you know, I, already I had a, um, uh, I knew the place. Yeah, I was going and, to ask, was it an easy sell? And I guess for that very first one, it was a pretty easy sell. Well, you know, I, you know, it's a good question because when we had the idea and I thought, okay, let's do it at the laundromat that I'm most familiar with. And actually, it was my my husband who often did the laundry and was more, frequently dropping the laundry off. So I asked him to come with me to talk hmm. to the owner. And I presented it to the owner. I said, you know, I want to do this kind of a art party celebration for the neighborhood at your laundromat, which that particular laundromat is open 24 hours. So I said, is there a time in the laundromat when it's not that busy that you wouldn't mind having more of a crowd, but there will be people, you know, obviously, uh, you know, absolutely people can still be working and your, your, the workings of the laundromat won't be interrupted. You know, that was, that was kind of my deal with him. And he said, you know, that's fine. Saturday nights are not that busy and Saturday nights after nine o'clock are really not that busy. Um, although we're open and people come and do their laundry. So, that was, you know, we sort of, we did that negotiation. Mm-hmm. I was like, when's a good time for you, for what I want to do? And I just want to make sure that when we come, you know, the people who are working here know what's going on and all that. So that was basically it. But it was good to have my husband there with me yeah. who had another kind of relationship with the owner. Because uh-huh. I was like, oh, yeah, I know you. You know, you drop off that and this, that, you know, that. And you have the purple laundry bag and that kind of thing. So it was very much, it felt like um, uh, going to somebody that we already knew in the neighborhood and that whose business we supported and he was willing, although, you know, I think he sort of cocked his head like, okay, what is she really going to do here? Mm -hmm. But he was really open to it. But from there you branched out and you went to other laundromats, not just in New York City, as you mentioned, but elsewhere in the country. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, after that first one, you know, who knew what was going to happen? But two writers that read Sam Lipsight and Legs McNeil, they were like, okay, you know, we're up for the challenge. And 80 people showed up to the laundromat. Wow. So, you know, that was like, oh, this is fun. (laughs) And this is a good venue for writers. And books were sold. And people just engaged with the writers afterwards. So from that, I said, okay, this is something I'd like to do again. And then went to really started in, in New York. I'm based in the Lower East Side, mm-hmm. but I went to the, uh, I started scouting laundromats all over the city, the Upper West Side, um, where there was one on 103rd Street or 104th Street, where I did one, and then out in Brooklyn, where there were some very accommodating and very large laundromats. The laundromats in the in Manhattan tend to be very small, tend to be smaller. And then I was in 2006 invited out to San Francisco as part of this wonderful week-long literary festival called Litquake, and Litquake has 
part of the festival is a lit crawl, much like your pub crawl kind of thing, except it's literary events happening throughout the Mission District. And they wanted to know if I could do one event in the laundromat, in a laundromat along the route. Mm -hmm. So I did that, and that went really well. And actually, I returned there just this past October for the festival again and was back at the Mission Laundromat. And then I also organized one in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, because there were two writers who live up in that area, Roy Blunt Jr. and Jonathan Baumbach, who were supportive of the project and said, if you can get it organized up here in Stockbridge, we'll we'll be happy to read. Now, Emily, the work that is presented, does the work in any way reflect the setting, the laundromat? I'm glad you asked the question because in the beginning when I first started, I just asked the writers to read if they had a, um, if they were putting out a new work, if a new book was coming out, to read from that as a way to advertise or, you know, to promote their their new work. And sometimes people would pick sections of their books that perhaps had something to do with laundry or, um, you know, something to do with a task or a chore of some kind. And then as the years kind of went on, I started to ask writers to, to I started to commission writers to write pieces that were related to the theme of a laundromat. And one of the first ones I did was I asked five writers to write pieces that were about stains. And we called that event Remains of the Stain. Mm -hmm. And the different writers, somebody wrote about chocolate, somebody wrote about nicotine, somebody else wrote about blood. So, you know, the the directing it towards those scenes, I think, just added another layer to the event. And another one I did was I asked five playwrights to write five-minute plays that were inspired by an article of clothing. Now, have you found that people who are coming specifically for the readings are coming with laundry that they want to do while they're there? Occasionally that does happen, <laughs> I would say. And then, and then when we arrive, there are often people there doing their laundry. I was going to say, how do they react? Because they're there simply to do their laundry, and then you right. come in and you're doing poetry readings. Right, exactly. So, you know, here, here it is. Well, I'm going to tell you that it's been mixed. And how to deal with the mixed response. Some people are like, I'm doing my laundry. I don't want to be bothered. Totally understandable. This is a public place. And in a sense, we're, we're invading their use of the public space. But what I've tried to do is acknowledge that circumstance and, the, and their needs and make sure that the crowd that's coming doesn't just stays out of the way of the people doing their laundry. And at times I have offered to um, laundry detergent for people doing their laundry. And I would say 98% of the time they kind of come around. They go, oh, it's New York. We get what you're doing. And actually, it's kind of nice to be entertained while yeah. we're here. Well, we should point out that you call yourself Wash and Dry Productions. Where can exactly. people yeah, where can people go to find out more about Wash and Dry Productions and oh, Dirty Laundry? Right. So I do have a website at dirtylaundryreadings.com. 
And then I do have a personal website as well that has the links to that. That's emilyrubin.net. I know that you have laundry tips and literary quotes on your website, so give us one laundry tip before we let you go. Okay, great. All right, well, let's see. To get out an oily food stain that's very troublesome, one of the best things to use is a dab of toothpaste that you let sit on it, especially toothpaste that has some whitening in it, because that does a little bit of bleach, and it also takes care of food stuff as it would on your teeth. Let it sit there for about five minutes to dry a little bit, and then brush it off, and then wash it out with cold water. (laughs) Emily, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. (laughs) My pleasure. Emily Rubin is behind Dirty Laundry Loads of Pros. From using a laundromat to present art to the laundromat as art itself, our next guest put together a homage in photographs to laundromats in New York City. His name is Snorri Sturluson, and his book is simply titled Laundromat. So we're here today to talk with you about your laundromat project. What inspired that project? Well, uh... When I moved to New York, laundromats kind of caught my attention. I'm from Iceland. There are no laundromats in Iceland because everybody has a washer dryer at home. We don't have that luxury here in New York City. Exactly. At least most people have at least a washer, maybe not a dryer. But So the laundromats, uh, on my travels in Europe and elsewhere, I had sort of seen them here and there and used them backpacking around Europe. And um, But here, when I moved here, when I moved to Brooklyn... They're everywhere. There's so many of them, and they, they, you know, it's Europe is nothing like that. There's a few of them, you know, sort of here and there, in some cities, not all. And uh, they really caught my attention. I started going there because I had to. And um, they're such an interesting subculture, and uh, or not even a subculture really, because they're just a place that a lot of people have to go to, and they go there by. Like, by not by choice, really. It's sort of thing you got to do. It's an obligation. We need clean clothes. Absolutely. And, um, and I was fascinated by it. And then I, got, I was fascinated by the way they look as a, as a photographer. They, what, what was it about the way they look? A lot of them are... <clears throat> there's a lot of old ones you know, that have... Uh, you know, they, there's a lot of... You see generations of designs and looks and sort of storefront... Uh, history in laundromats because they're the kind of business that a lot of them stick around for a long time and they don't really change you know once they're up once they're open that's the way they look and there's no you know it's such a utilitarian business that it's all about just like it's there and if it's there you use it it doesn't really matter what it looks like so a lot of them are like time capsules into the past so what was your vision for this project in terms of how you wanted to go about photographing the laundromats? Um, well, they're almost all of them shot straight front, straight on. Um, from the outside? From the outside, all of them, yes. I did go inside and I thought about doing something inside as well. But um, then it became less about the, uh, the sort of the, the, the way they look and the way they're presented to the outside world. And it would have become more about... Uh, the people inside them, and that wasn't really what I was going for. It was more about the the actual facade of this this world that is like sort of hidden in there that uh, that I wanted to see, and and to see how they 
you know what they have in common and what they're different what what's different about them how different neighborhoods have different kinds and different types and and so on and so forth how did you find that they varied from neighborhood to neighborhood well it's very thi- i think sort of synonymous with the way neighborhoods are so you go to the west village space is very scarce and uh so they're very small you know very narrow storefronts and and uh and a lot of times and then you go to the queens and they're they're wider and they're bigger and and uh and uh, you know in Staten Island there are not many because you know it's almost you know for a large part of Staten Island it's suburban uh sort of in style and uh people have washer dryers at their at their houses and uh so what was mostly fascinating was to see like where where they are and where they aren't you know there are certain neighborhoods where they just don't really exist you know neighborhoods where generally where people have more money and um people or in neighborhoods that are are gentrifying like th- th- those neighborhoods tend to have fewer and even none like Tribeca has none and and the financial district none partly because not a lot of people live there but the people that do live there live in buildings that have facilities yeah or they're not doing their own laundry they're dropping it off somewhere right yes it's a drop off and then they that, and uh, and usually and in those neighborhoods you know the drop off services are often at laundromats right so you know but in those neighborhoods in particular they're not even at laundromats they're at dry cleaners and though they don't even wash them they send them to brooklyn or queens or or somewhere to get washed was there any particular laundromat that struck you most uh there were so many i mean there's the there's the very sort of like very sort of almost historical and classic laundromats down in Chinatown and the Lower East Side, like um, on Madison Street, Madison Street, I believe, and uh, on the East Side, way way east in Chinatown. And um, there's also a lot of great ones in Brooklyn. There's a whole in South Brooklyn in particular. There's a whole sort of like. Uh, the cover of my book uh, actually has one of those. It's a, it's a laundromat in, um, I believe it's in Sunset Park, that has a very particular sign design. Um, it's a painted sign from decades ago, probably. I don't really know when. But there's a whole, that particular design with that typing, that coloring, and that there's at least three sizes of washing machines on it is repeated all over Brooklyn with the same, you know, the same painting, same colors, and either it was, you know, the same uh, 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 sign painter that did them all, or the same company, or it was just a trend that was picked up. Because I've also seen the same exact design, newer but printed on vinyl. Outside of photographing the facades of these laundromats, did you feel the need to find out more about them or the people who used them? I did, and I... um, you know, there's an essay in the book uh, written by um, Dee Foy, uh, a novelist and writer, a uh, friend of mine, and uh, and we did so. I tasked him with it, but we did, we did, a f- you know, a lot of exploration uh, uh, and research on the subject together, and then he turned that into an essay. And uh, it was, um, it was. Um, you know, there's a lot of what was interesting was, um, you know, it's sort of, you know, people say that and I've heard that heard before that, you know, it's, New York City is a city of immigrants and um, transitional. And um, so the first the most common first job in New York is a taxi driver, from what I've heard. 
and laundromats seem to be uh, another business that is, you know, very commonly uh, uh, immigrants run run laundromats. It's like a first business, first business model for, you know, I suppose restaurants are pretty high on that uh, list as well. But that was one of the things that I, I that struck me was interesting about laundromats. Anything in particular surprise you about what you did here with the laundromats? I did find. Uh, find it interesting that there were a number of places, especially in uh, the sort of more poorer neighborhoods in the city, that there was a lot of places where there were multiple businesses being run in the laundromat, like a watchmaker and, and uh, you know, like even selling food and, you know, the juice bar and, and uh, sort of like, you know, beyond, you know, there was even one that was a thrift store in Bay Ridge and... Uh, so there was that was interesting to see how people you know, just sort of would use this storefront as an opportunity to run other things. So are you still washing and folding yourself? I haven't washed and folded myself in a while, actually. And um, but I am uh, working on a, a, a manuscript for a movie that happens in a laundromat that takes place in a laundromat. So stay stay tuned for that one. <laughs> Very good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Snorri Sturluson is a photographer and director. He documented laundromats in New York City over a four-year period. His book, Laundromat, is published by Powerhouse Books. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. You can get past editions of the show at any time at wfuv.org cityscape or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Join us there for show updates and New York City tidbits. I'm George Borarki. My thanks to producer Claire Drake. Thanks for listening. It's WFUV and WFUV HD New York. Listener-supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.